Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. Today we're joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm very well, thanks Coach Steve. How are you? I'm well, Nick. I'm well. I'm just following my motto, which is a one day at a time. And I think that is really representative of what's happening in the challenge right now. We are in week five this week, yeah. Nick. Only two weeks left. So we're in the tail end of the challenge. And we should all just be thinking about one day at a time, you know, getting our, our, our training in, getting our steps in, um, and making sure that we're being adherent to our nutrition strategy, whatever that is. So take it one day at a time from here until the very end of the challenge. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, you've progressed from one minute at a time to one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, last week it was uh, one, one shift at a time, uh, the yeah. morning shift and the evening shift, and now True. we've expanded to, to one day. I'm, um, I'm thinking in days now, Nick, so we, we are doing well. Yeah, you're killing it. It's Look. only week two and you're thinking in days. Goodness me. <laughs> yeah, my boy's boy's growing up quick. You know, he's starting, starting to like wiggle and like, oh, he's going to roll, he's going to roll. I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. He's only two weeks old. He, yeah, that, that doesn't cool. happen for another couple of months. So uh, Feels super I'm excited. Fresh. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 awesome. It's going really well. Now, look, Nick, last two weeks of the challenge, you might be thinking now, what am I going to do for my final photo? Okay. Now, this is a, a, a great time to start thinking about your final photo. Yes, we've still got another two weeks before we take our final photo, but it's a great time to start thinking about it, thinking, all right, when am I going to take it? Where am I going to take it? You know, maybe what camera am I going to use? Am I going to try to use my, my phone? Maybe I'm going to try to like acquire an iPhone or a newer phone to get a, you know, a crisp image, or maybe I'm going to try to acquire like a DSLR camera to try to get a, a sweet shot, or maybe I'm going to try to get them professionally done, whatever you do, you know, dramas. Um, you just need to wait for the entry document. Uh, exit documents to be released, which will be released next week via emails, social media, and when you go and complete your checkout, uh, ch uh, final check-in process on the M Challenge app, you could download that completion document. So think about where you're going to take your photo. Think about what you're going to use to take your photo. And then, of course, thinking about what you're going to wear. You know, are you going to uh, rock the bikini? Are you going to rock the board shorts, the speedos? Um, are you going to um, wear the exact same clothes as you did in the start photos so that it's really easy for our judges to compare? What are you going to do? Start thinking about it now is my tip. Yeah, absolutely. Start thinking about it. Practice. Um, practice makes perfect with those things. You, I, I have so many different um, areas in my house that I like to use depending on the time of day and everything for, for photos. So yeah, have a go. Yeah, Shane's I think... always running around closing the blinds going, the neighbours will see it. I'm like, there's nothing that they haven't seen before. They do not care. <laughs> oh gosh. Now, look, Nick, uh, at this time of the challenge, um, we inevitably get questions about, um, you know, maybe some troubleshooting. What can I do? I'm not seeing the progress that I want to see. And we often recommend people to do uh, an audit, an audit of their challenge journey. And you might be scratching your head going, well, Steve, that's real nice. What, what, what the hell is an audit? What should I be doing? What should I be looking for? So I thought we'd start, Nick, by giving a, a very brief overview of um, some things that you could reflect on and audit within your life. Um, your challenge journey, your fitness journey, and then offering um, some if-then statements about what to do if you're not seeing the results that you wish to see, okay? Mm -hmm. So first step, first step is to look at your um, adherence. So first step is to look at your adherence. And that adherence means um, adhering to the plan or the strategy that you created to reach your goal. 
Okay, that could be the challenge plan, challenge nutrition plan, challenge training plan, could be one that you crafted yourself and designed yourself, or maybe another program that you found online or whatever it is, you know, are you following the plan that you set out to do? Okay, that's the first thing you should ask yourself. And for most of us, it's a pretty obvious yes or no. It's saying, Mm -hmm. yes, I am, you know, I've, I've following it diligently on the app, I'm ticking it off, I'm marking it off, or maybe I've written it down on a piece of paper, and I've stuck it to my fridge, and I see it every day, or it's on my bathroom mirror and I see it every day, you know, that's my plan. That's my strategy. I am following it absolutely 100%. Yes. That's one path. And that's what we hope you are. Yes, yes, yes. The other path is that mm, kind of answer where you go, yeah, kind of. And this is where we can take a deeper dive into, you know, are you actually following your plan? Because we can easily make errors um, within our strategy without knowing about it. Okay. Um, For example, for example, we often get uh, comments or posts or things we see online where a challenger might say that they quote, slipped up, fell off the wagon, they had a piece of chocolate or they ate a burger um, or you know they ate a whole pack of, a pack of chips or an ice cream or something like that, okay? And in isolation, those things can be totally fine. However, often we forget how many uh, calories can be in those foods, okay? Uh, little story, Nick. Mm. Little story. Uh, the other week, I found myself in the cheesecake shop. Oh, the cheesecake shop. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, someone's birthday. Um, it was around the time of my son's birthday. <laughs> so I found myself in a cheesecake shop buying a cheesecake. Right, and they had a, a small fridge, and they were selling like quarter pieces of a cake. So instead of buying the whole cake, you could buy a quarter piece of the cake. And I thought, okay, well, that's more appropriate for the situation that I'm going to be putting myself in for this this cake. And they had um, some nutritional information about the quarter piece of cheesecake. (laughs) Now, (laughs) of course, I'm looking at it. It was in kilojoules. I was like, oh, cool, interesting. And Mm -hmm. uh, this quarter piece of cheesecake, so think of a regular standard, you know, what you'd think a cake is, a quarter size of it. um, It was 8,800 kilojoules, okay? which is very close to the Australian standard um, daily kilojoule intake, right? Which is about 2000 calories. So this quarter piece of a cake was 2000 calories. So the wow. whole cake was about 8,000 calories, right? Goodness. Right. And I think this was just a, a, a repeat eye opener for me being like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like this piece of cake where often you might find yourself at events, family events, birthdays, whatever it is. And like, oh, I'm just going to have a piece of cake. And you might have maybe one eighth. So it's not a quarter, it's an eighth of a slice or even less than that, one sixteenth of a slice. So if you're doing some quick math, you know, if I bought that quarter and I cut that into four pieces, I'm having like one sixteenth of the entire cake. If you're following my math, that was about 500 calories was just one one little slither of this cake. So if I'm kind of going, well, Coach Steve or Coach Nick, I only had a piece of cake Mm. on the weekend, every weekend. That's an extra 500 calories. And if your nutritional strategy put yourself in a, let's say for argument's sake, a 100 calorie deficit per day. So over the course of a week, you were 700 calories in a deficit in a week, but on a Saturday night, you decided, I've been good. I'm gonna have a slice of cheesecake, 500 calories, bang. You are now on a whole weekly consideration, um, 
only at a 200 calorie deficit for the entire week rather than the 700 calorie deficit which you thought that you were in okay mm. so that uh, idea of adherence you might be like oh I, I i've been mostly good but when you have strayed off of the plan it you may not have been aware of the calories you can you were consuming because you thought oh it's just you know once off but that was the the tipping point of breaking out of your adherence yeah absolutely and it's so easy to do um so easy because your body doesn't want to be in a deficit does it no and uh for many of us subconsciously we will seek more food if we're hungry right because you you want that homeostasis that's like uh, that's everything the comfort zone everything is um based on that so um, yeah, just be aware when you're feeling hungry now, it's probably a decent sign that you're doing a good job. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, um, more so with that, with our adherence, um, would be something like uh, tracking our, our physical activity, right? Because ultimately weight loss or weight gain is uh, quite a, a simple equation on paper, uh, a little mm -hmm. bit complicated to instill in life. So it's simple on paper where we're just trying to balance our energy in versus our energy out. We're measuring our energy in via, you know, our energy intake, calories, kilojoules, however you manage it. And then we're trying to measure our energy expenditure via something like our uh, daily energy expenditure or overall step count. Now, it's really easy to say, oh, well, I'm, 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 I do lots of steps throughout the day. It's easy to say that, but it's really difficult to try to quantify that without using any additional tools. Yeah. So if you say, oh, well, I chase my toddler around all day, I, I must get lots of steps in or... Uh, I work at a supermarket, I'm constantly on my feet, I'm in a warehouse, I'm constantly on my feet, I, I must be getting my steps in. We, we kind of go, well, are you, is the ultimate question. Because mm. leaning onto what you said earlier, Nick, where we want to be in homeostasis, if you are in an energy deficit, if you are tired, you're going to relax more, right? You're going to sit down, you're going to chill out, you're going to kick it, right? Where you are going to do fewer steps. And especially over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, as you're deep in this dieting phase, you may find your overall physical activity slowly starts to decrease and you won't know unless you're measuring that, okay? Mm. Now, the easiest way to measure it is to use something like a, a smart device, right? You know, a, a Fitbit, a Garmin, an Apple Watch, an old school pedometer, heck, you could buy them off eBay for like 20 bucks. Um, it doesn't need to be really uh, fancy and extensive, just something to measure your overall step counts, okay? Mm. Mm. It really helps, really, really, really helps. Um, you do get addicted to it though, and if it goes flat during your walk, you think it, you have. Does really it even walked. count, Nick? Does yeah, it even I count? Know, it's so weird. Like I'm just looking at my Garmin data now because you mentioned it, and you know it's like, oh gosh, I've done, I haven't done many steps today, but I've, I've done this and that, and it's just, it's amazing. I just, I'm obsessed. What, what happens if it goes flat, Coach Steve? <laughs> Look now, um, two parts. One would be if it does go flat or you don't have access to it. You know, you can mm -hmm. measure your physical activity um, through maybe minutes walking. So let's say you are trying to go for a walk around the block. Um, and you go, okay, that's about a 30 minute walk. You do that twice a day, 60 minutes walking, plus, you know, your uh, average daily activities. Okay, you could start to quantify it. Be like, all right, I've done about 60 minutes of walking per day, extra on top of what I normally do. That's one type of method. Another could be like an actual distance route. So saying, okay, I'm going to go walk the block, right? And that could be whatever your block means to you. Right, I'm going to do that, you know, once a day in the in the morning before I have breakfast. And then uh, once a day uh, in the evening after I have dinner and you do, you do two laps. So then you write down, I've done two laps of the block 
plus my daily physical activity. Um, and that daily physical activity, you know, it's hard again to quantify it, but we're trying to make the best out of the situation, try to create some numbers so that we can normalize it and standardize our physical activity level. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's perfect to have that to measure against. Yeah. Mm. Now adding on to activity trackers, uh, there is some interesting, uh, literature data around the accuracy of activity trackers, especially let's say our step count where some could be up, uh, incorrect by up to 25, 30%. So what that means is that if you are, you know, if I'm comparing my Fitbit versus Nick's Garmin, for example, and I go, haha, Nick, I've done 15,000 steps a day. And you're like, I've only done 9,000 steps a day. And we both were walking with each other around the block. Um, it's hard to kind of measure it against each other because those two devices can be different. Uh, and then also our leg lengths can be different. So the algorithm technology behind it can be different. Um, so what that means is don't feel disheartened if you see other people with ridiculously high numbers, you know, they can have small legs, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Um, the problem is when we alternate between different devices. So if you wear your Garmin one day, a Fitbit another day, Apple Watch another day, and then you try to use your Google Health on your phone another day and try to compare those numbers, then we could face problems. But if you consistently look at, let's say your Garmin every single day, even if it's incorrect by 10%, you are consistently incorrect, like we spoke about in a couple of weeks ago in the challenge podcast, um, then you are more accurate, even though you are incorrect because you're using that data consistently over time. Definitely. Um, it's like Shane is 100 kilos. And when I go walking with him, he looks at his and he's like, oh, I've burnt 500 calories and, and I um, have done, you know, 12,000 steps. And I'm like, oh, I've only done 8,000. And my, my thing, my active calorie says about 100. <laughs> it's sad, <laughs> but because he's a lot heavier. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't compare. Don't compare. Mm-mm. Now, Nick, once we've kind of ordered our uh, adherence to the strategy, um, the next step is to look for what I call masks, right? Anything that could be masking your progress. So uh, let's say you are following your plan, you're really adherent, but you're looking at the scales and you're like, I'm not seeing any progress because um, you know you weigh yourself once a month and on month one, you're 100 kilos and on month two, you're you know 99 kilos. And you're like, I've only lost a kilo. That's not my expectation. I wanted to lose more. I wanted to lose about you know 1% per week of my body weight. I should be about 96 kilos. I'm now 99, right, right, right. Now the problem when we um, look at some tracking measurements to track progress is the uh, errors that are behind it, the limiting factors that are behind it. So let's use body weight as an example. If you are only taking a snapshot of your body weight, like from month to month, you're missing out on all the the story in between. It's like you're trying to read a book and you read the first page and the last page, you're missing out on all the story in the middle. So a better option is to track your body weight frequently, let's say every day, every second day, something like that, and working out a weekly average. And that might tell a better story of any weight loss because on that one particular day where you weigh yourself, you might've had poor quality sleep, you might be hyperhydrated, you've drunk a lot of water, the night before, you might need to go to the toilet, you might have trained the day before, you've got lots of information in your body, that can kind of offset some um, progress and it could be masking your progress, which uh, can be leading to disheartened feelings, okay? Mm. The next thing would be how you're measuring your progress. For example, if you're trying to take photos of yourself and you're trying to take your photos of yourself every single day, <laughs> Nick, you look at yourself in the mirror every day and you kind of go, well, I don't notice any change. Um, and then you might see a photo of yourself from six months ago and you're like, oh, I've changed a lot. So 
if you choose to track your progress through something like images or measurements or t-shirt sizes or something like that, you may not find this day-to-day -day or week-to-week change or progress uh, because it's hard to quantify it and measure it against each other. So it can be a, a tracking error, which is masking your progress. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, other masks that could be masking your progress, you know, talking about scale weight could be things that fluctuate your scale weight, kind of like what I mentioned before. If you're really hydrated, you need to go to the toilet, you're really stressed, you're on your period or your cycle, um, you're having other stresses in your life or other hormonal challenges. Um, and, you know, even other things like, you know, training performance and those types of stuff can modify our body weight. So, if you are trying to do a self audit and you're not seeing any progress, be cautious of any additional masks that could be masking progress. That's right. I did the hack squat the other day um, for the first time in a long time. And then the next day I was a kilo heavier and I couldn't walk. <laughs> I don't think I gained a kilo of muscle. No. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, you know, like sometimes with new training, you can really, you know, my quads are obviously so massive that they can hold a kilo <laughs> of inflammation in them. <laughs> Amazing. Now, look, talking, talking about that, um, you know, we uh, see some, some individuals posting online saying, well, I'm, I'm seeing absolutely zero progress. And a rebuttal to the lack of progress from well-meaning individuals would say, oh, well, it's because you're gaining muscle. Mm -hmm. Now, that can be the case, comma, however, muscle growth takes a lot of time. So if you, let's say, started strength training, started resistance training, started the challenge, you're one or two weeks in and you're like, oh, I've gained three kilos. I must have the only uh, possibility, the only explanation for this is I've gained three kilos of muscle um, in the most empathetic way that probably did not happen. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, maybe for a beginner, maybe for someone who's brand new, maybe they're, you know, just climbing off the couch for the very first time, you know, doing some resistance training, doing some physical activity. Yeah, like you could gain, you know, a, a significant amount of muscle over, you know, let's say a, a six to 12 week period. You know, I'm talking a good like couple of kilos of muscle if you're brand new to everything. Um, but if you've done any sort of resistance training in the past or currently doing any sort of resistance training, gaining that much weight in a short period of time is one, unlikely muscle, two, unlikely body fat, uh, three, it's most likely uh, fluctuations in hydration. Um, and the hydration could mean one, more um, fluid in your body, could be more blood in your body, more um, inflammation floating around in your body, um, or more fluid being stored in your muscle as glycogen. So there could be other reasons that is masking your progress. Um, if your goal is muscle gain and you're seeing crazy numbers on the scales. Mm -hmm. And don't forget also, sometimes, you know, people have been talking about creatine and gaining. Just say that you do. Actually have a look at yourself because that that um, fluid is actually, it goes into your muscles. So it makes you actually look better. It's yeah. not, it's not fat. It's not just because you're heavier. Like it, just say there was no weight in this world and you just had to look and, you know, I mean, you look better is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, take your creatine. <laughs> now, once we've kind of audited our uh, adherence and audited some masks that we're masking our progress, uh, next is to look at our indirect barriers to weight loss or weight gain or, or fitness. And what I mean by indirect is um, some of these things will not directly influence how much weight you lose, um, but can indirectly influence how much weight you lose. For example, let's start with sleep, okay? Poor quality sleep 
can lead to you know increases in hunger, decreases in satiety after eating, uh, can make you more lethargic, tired. If you're trying to go into the gym, your performance decreases, you can't train as hard. So indirectly, you might be at a higher risk of eating more food. You might be less satisfied with your food, so it leads to binge eating episodes, or you're just training not as hard, so you're not stimulating as much muscle growth. So something like sleep um, is like, what I mean by indirect is by having good quality sleep, by having, you know, let's say uh, eight to 12 hours sleep, however long you want to sleep, sleeping for a long period of time and getting adequate rest does not directly transfer to weight loss or muscle gain. Uh, because if uh, it did, you know, some of the biggest bodybuilders in the world would just, you know, sleep, they wouldn't have to train. Um, what it does is it indirectly influences those things. So sleep is a, a good example of indirect barrier to progress. So if you are having poor quality sleep, that could be influencing the big rocks that are leading to progress. Definitely. The next one is stresses. Now, stresses encompasses almost everything in our life whenever we are stressed. And stress could be training stress, could be dieting stress, could be lifestyle stress, work-related stress, financial stress, family stress, social stress, any sort of stresses in your life. And in your body, your body doesn't know too much of the difference between you know, training really hard and being really stressed versus, uh, you know, going through a, a, a stressful period because your mortgage rates just increased, okay? It's the same response in your body, an increase in cortisol. Um, and that stressor does need to get processed through the body, uh, through the recovery modules, such as, you know, sleep. So we do need to manage our overall stresses. So if you are really stressed, you've got deadlines at work, uh, whatever's going on in your life, that can indirectly influence your overall progression. Mm, definitely. Next one here, we've got hydration. Uh, often there are individuals that would clout, you know, drink three liters of water, drink five liters of water, drink 10 liters of water, whatever it is. Uh, that's not always a, a great response. We want to be adequately hydrated, poor quality nutrition, can, uh, poor quality hydration can lead to poor training performances. Uh, and also poor quality hydration can lead to uh, more eating periods where we eat more food. Uh, so we do want to be adequately hydrated uh, throughout the day and uh, being cautious that we aren't just, you know, drinking and stepping on the scales and freaking out because there's a direct correlation between that. Yeah. Give it a crack one time. <laughs> Drink a liter of water and jump on the scales. Give it a crack. Here's a fun activity. Stand on the scales, holding a cup of water, drink the cup of water and then put the cup down on the table. You may find that there's no difference on the scales. Wow. <laughs> Look, Nick, two more things here. Next one is fatigue issues. Uh, so similar vein around sleep, uh, but fatigue can be masking progress, can be a barrier to progress. So fatigue could be, yeah, if you're having poor quality sleep, training too hard, dieting too hard, overall fatigue um, can be something that we need to audit and need to manage appropriately because if we are too fatigued, that puts us in a higher risk of injury. Um, also, it really starts to beat up our motivation and can ultimately lead to, ultimately lead to failure of your uh, fitness goals. So we want to manage our fatigue appropriately. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, and then finally here, we have psychological issues. And this is an umbrella around a similar vein to fatigue, but if your fitness journey is causing you too much stress, too much anxiety, too much psychological challenges, um, you might not be in the right headspace in that moment to 
be pushing through progress. Uh, you know, for example, in, in, in one sense, if you are becoming too anxious about measuring your food every day, you may need to take a break, take a break from dieting process because that anxiety is going to build up, add stresses and indirectly influence your progress. Uh, then on the flip side, if you are having uh, motivation challenges, uh, stress, uh, anxiety, uh, other psychological issues, and you're going to the gym and you need to mentally push yourself hard through a hard set and you're unable to push yourself through, you may benefit from taking some time away from training, reset and then re-engaging uh, with training so that you can get the most out of your training performances. Yeah, I think that that's a very important one. It's okay to step away for a minute. That's right. Now, Nick, that summarizes our uh, auditing process. We want to look at our adherence. We want to look at masks. We want to look at indirect barriers, fatigue issues, psychological issues. Now, if you're ticking all those boxes, we may be at that point where we need to make a decision uh, of changing our strategy. Okay. And that could be either two options. One would be to decrease our energy intake. And that could be something really small by decreasing our calories by five, 10%, maybe reducing a portion size here or there. Um, the other option would be to increase our physical activity via trying to get more steps in throughout the day. And that could be trying to go for an extra walk throughout the day. That could be, you know, introducing some light, um, you know, work on a, a treadmill or a bike just to try to increase our physical activity throughout the day. Um, something that we can quantify is better. So if you can measure your step count, perfect, easy. If you're trying to say, oh, well, I'm going to do an extra 10 minutes on the elliptical after my session, hard to quantify that um, and strategically add that into our program. So there are two pathways to take, either increase our step count or decrease our energy intake. Mm -hmm. Now, we get the question of, well, which one should I do? Which one should I do first? And firstly, I would say sometimes it's really obvious where you go, well, Steve, I'm doing uh, 15,000 steps a day and I'm eating 2,500 calories. And that's really easy to eat 2,500 calories. What should I do? And we go, well, if it's easy, to consume two and a half thousand calories, what if you decrease your calories first? Because it's really easy to do that. It's really hard to get more steps in if you're really doing 15,000 steps. On the flip side, if you are consuming, let's say 1200 calories, but you're only averaging 3000 steps a day and you're like, well, I'm starving. I can't decrease my food anymore. Maybe the ob obvious answer is, well, what if you try to get your, your steps up a little bit by just going for a walk, try to get in for 4,000 steps or 5,000 steps a day on, on average, um, that could be the easier option of the two. And that's that's usually the path we want to take. Just look at which one is is potentially the easier one to, to, to modify um, and you probably find an answer very quickly. Yes, and that's why we always recommend not doing everything at once at the start. That's right. Now we've hit that point. So, yeah, you need to be able to work with something that's right. Now, look, if you're uh, listening to this and you're like, well, geez, I'm not sure where to start, kind of like thinking about here, there, there, and there, I'm not sure what to do, please reach out to us on places like the forum or heck, even places like our Facebook social hub. We're more than happy to help and offer guidance. Um, sometimes the guidance can be just simply asking the right questions and often you know the answer and what you should be doing. For example, if you like to eat the cheesecake every every weekend, okay, maybe you know that answer already and you don't need us to, to tell you that. Um, but if you're not sure where to start, please reach out to us. We're more than happy to help. I know. I'm obsessed. If you, if you get me, you'll get my 20 questions. <laughs> <laughs> I have no. to do that emoji now where I just so I don't annoy people. I'm like, hey, hello. <laughs> woman. <laughs> Nah, so good. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have our community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. So Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight this week? 
Okay, so I've got Kat Ford starting off. Now, she's done a couple of posts this week, but I've got this one. So for those that need to hear it tonight, you do not need to eat your kids' leftovers. Resist. Tipping mac and cheese in the bin was hard for me, but I did it. So I like this one because we've spoken before about that sometimes, you know, from childhood we have that need to eat everything that's on our plate because we've been told that it's a waste. And um, this one actually taps into listening to your own hunger signals, which I like. So well done, Kat, and um, good on you because I think that that's something that you can take with you now. Um, you know, if, you, if you're not hungry for it, don't eat it. Yeah, look, I can relate to that a lot. Um, when I give my, my boy George food and he just doesn't want to eat it, I'm like, I don't want to waste this food. It looks so tasty. You eat better than me, child. Mm -hmm. I want to eat this salmon or meatball or, you know, little whatever it is. Uh, and it can be very easy just to, to finish off your, your kids' foods. Uh, so great one, Kat. Thanks for letting us know. Very true. Okay, Olivia Butler. This challenge so far for me has been a success. I'm 7.4 kilos down and getting stronger in the gym. Day one of the challenge, I struggled with a few reps at 40 kilos on the leg press. Last night, I hit three by 10 at 90 kilos. I've hit my steps each day, trained four days a week, and my nutrition has been as per the plan every single day, not even one bite out of line. I've also prioritized sleep to ensure my body has enough rest to repair. She's been listening to the top, um, you know, our advices from just before. <laughs> I look forward to finishing the challenge strong. I won't share my progress pics as I'm traumatized by them. Oh, well, um, I hope that you, I hope that you're going to be less traumatized by the next ones. And um, I'm sure that you're amazing. And thank you, Olivia. I love that. Good one. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Olivia. Um, yeah, uh, we're excited to see your progress photos. So, so hopefully you feel uh, more proud and like, like we are of your, your efforts. Um, you know, you, it seems like you're making some amazing progress, prioritizing the right things and hitting some PBs in the gym, which I love to see. Um, so yeah, keep going, Olivia. We love PBs. So Peter Stringer, a throwback Thursday for today, September 2020 versus yesterday, November 2022. What I've learned in the past two years is nothing happens overnight. I've changed my habits physically, mentally, and emotionally the past few years. I've jumped a few hurdles these past few years, and a positive mindset change has helped me to not just give up and simply to push forward through it. Life is truly unpredictable. It's now not about losing weight. It's about being a role model for my children so they can also live long, healthy, and fulfilling lives. Has the progress been slow? Yes. Are we our worst critics? Hell yes. Am I happier within myself? You know it. Yes. I do this now, not for me, but for my girls. It's now about the longevity of my life to see my beautiful girls grow up. Aww. It's beautiful. Aww. Like nice. Yeah. 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 No, that's beautiful. And I think it really summarizes, uh, you know, the long-term goal of the challenge where, yeah, okay. We might be looking at small windows of time, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever we're doing, uh, but it's all about the big picture going, Hey, how are we going to make this part of our life moving forward? How are we going to make that a value for ourselves and, uh, a role model for our, our kids. So that's beautiful, Peter. Thank you. Very good. I love it. Well done. Nick, I've got a few ones here. First one goes out to Reese Canal and Reese writes, Hey legends, so motivating to see everyone's progress so far. It's been a while since I've done a challenge, but definitely the most focused I've been around nutrition. Nearly five kilos down, keen to finish, finish the next couple of weeks strong. Let's get it. Rocket ship emoji. Gosh, Reese, yeah. love it. Short and sweet. Uh, and yeah, big congratulations on, on focusing on nutrition and big five kilos down. Amazing. Mm, very good. That's awesome. I love that. 
Well done, Reese. Next one here goes out to Melissa Ann Crowther. And Melissa writes, NSV, a non-scale victory, NSV, I found myself, I found yesterday I fit comfortably into this dress now. And she posted a photo of this, this dress, this black dress that she was wearing. And I'm finally getting muscle to flex. And, and I like this one. It's short, it's simple, but it's definitely a non-scale victory when we are seeing those victories. One, being able to wear a dress that we might've uh, previously not been able to fit into. And then secondly, being able to flex some muscles that we weren't able to see prior. So big congratulations to, to Melissa. Yeah, dresses and muscles, the combo is excellent. I like that combo. Last one here goes out to Chantal Adams and Chantal's right, short one here. Not going to lie, I struggled to get up at 4.15 this morning, but I did. I got up, I had a coffee, and now killing my workout. Whew. I love this one because it's really a, a pure NSV here where um, she didn't want to wake up. She did, she did. She got out of bed at quarter past four and she had a coffee. Now she's gone and trained. So really kicking goals. Uh, Chantal, awesome. Yeah, really good. I can relate. Yeah. Well, look, I've been getting up at that time to, to feed my boy. Um, so I haven't been able to go and train at that time, but uh, yeah, 4am club, here we are. Yeah. Aren't we um, a bundle of energy? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like it's our 8pm right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Nick, let's move on to our coach's corner where we offer our tip for the week. So Nick, take us away. What advice do you have for us? Well, mine's following on from a little uh, picture that I found that I popped up in the Facebook group, which I thought was amazing. I wish that we'd have made this picture because it's a really good one. It's actually from the bodybuilding dietitians who I must follow on Instagram. But they're, they're very good. I, I liked this. And um, it was just about, just in case you haven't seen it, um, confusing lower carb. Now, this isn't just, this isn't naturally lower carb foods. This is um, processed lower carb foods. Are they always lower in calories? Because of the word low, I think sometimes people get confused thinking that everything about it is low. Now, that ne isn't necessarily the case. So I had um, a couple of different examples on there of, um, of products that have um, a lower carb content, but may actually have lower calories per serving or per 100 grams. So it's just really interesting to think about that just in terms of um, simply because for weight loss, our overall calories are the most important. So let's just think about that. Um, you can always just probably have a piece of bread with your family. You know how we're all always saying, um, you know, add, give us stuff to add to the database. And there was a whole bunch of these, these low carb things, but in food manufacturing, Coach D, um, when one product is removed to make it taste and look and smell like, say, bread, it needs to have something to replace it. So often it's going to be something like a, um, something tasty, like I don't really know, I don't know if a sugar alcohol is tasty, but the texture, those sorts of things need to be made up with something. So it's that or it's dietary fats. And we know that there's nothing wrong with dietary fats whatsoever, but they are going to make the calories higher in that product. So it's just really, really important to be aware of that nutrition panel on your product. Have a look at it. Compare. Take the time to compare when you're in the supermarket. Um, nothing against the low-carb wraps or anything like that, but just compare and look at the calories per serve versus a quote-unquote normal piece 
and just see where you stand with that um and if that's something that you can maybe tweak because if you're thinking everything's so low something needs to go into it to replace it and also that can sometimes be something that that maybe um is going to tip you a little bit over the edge if you're not completely aware. So I just think it's a little bit misleading to say it's always low. Just because the carbohydrate content is low doesn't mean it's always low, low. And the other thing is the calorie content. And the other thing is um, sugar alcohols. Now, you can explain this probably better than me, but they are, there are, it's a sneaky way to label a carb anyway isn't it there's there's something there's a sneaky way to it's there's net carbs and there's ways to to sort of sneak things under the radar so just just be careful of thinking that everything's healthier just because it's quote unquote low carb and anyway that's a whole other discussion about um why you would go low carb that's not really what i'm talking about but i'm just talking about possible manufacturing secrets Secret squirrels. (laughs) I just thought it was quite fascinating because I hadn't really thought of it that way because I don't really sort of go for the the low carb um, wraps and things. If I'm going to have a piece of bread, I'll just I'll just have a nice good old piece of sourdough. But um, mm, interesting. I think you really nailed it there, Nick. Where um, does the marketing avenue of like marketing diet products such as you know low carb organic, um, you know, natural, you know, all these buzzwords around like quote, healthy foods, whatever that means. Um, however, when we try to go down like the health path is, it can be different to what we're trying to achieve through like a dieting path where we're trying to uh, manage our energy intake. We're trying to measure our overall calories. And you may find that if you choose to buy a product that is labeled as organic, natural, or, you know, healthy, whatever it is, maybe down that health food aisle is a really great uh, example. If you just take a walk through that health food aisle, you may find you're grabbing these, I don't know, um, packets of what they think are chips, you know, oh, it's, uh, you know, lentil fried, you know, crisps or something like that. And you look at it, it's like, wow, these are 400 calories per serve. And then you walk down the chip aisle and you can just grab a packet of Smith's salt and vinegar chips and it's, you know, 50 calories per serve or something like that. Don't quote me on those numbers. And you go, well, geez, like here I was thinking that this would be healthy by having this, you know, whatever the, the, the this healthy treat is meant to be down the health food aisle and you're comparing it to other calorie intakes. <clears throat> it, could be, it could be vastly, vastly different or it may be just enough to be like, whoa, I've eaten this whole packet of these, you know, quote, organic, natural granola crisps or whatever it is and you think geez i've just consumed a thousand calories without really paying attention because i thought it was healthy for me and that conversation is exactly the same when you try to purchase something that is low carb thinking oh well this is low carb it must be good it's basically negative calories i can eat whatever i want nick when you go well hold on a second double check the label there may be better alternatives where you get higher volumes of food um that might have a few more carbohydrates and this ultimately comes back down to to calories in macros where we know that fats are really high in calories you know around nine calories per gram of fat versus Mm -hmm. carbohydrate four calories per gram so you may find that like low fat options you know low fat milk low fat yogurt really low in calories compared to um the 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 regular fat um dairy products you might then go oh well it has more sugar in it and you go well what's wrong with sugar right it's it's yeah okay that's the question for the health 
But when it comes down to calories, uh, sugar can be lower in calories than fat. So if you're looking at a tub of yogurt, you want to have a tub of yogurt, you can either choose to have a low fat option with a slightly higher sugar intake so that it might be 100 calories versus the regular fat yogurt uh, that might be 500 calories per serve it's night and day between those two products you can consume your yogurt enjoy it make it fit within your plan without breaking the calorie bank yes and if you think that you can make broccoli taste like a trito um, without adding a whole bunch of oil and salt to it then I think that, yeah, you, you, you're, you're kidding yourself. Broccoli is <laughs> not going to taste like a Trito. Oh, come on, Nick. Broccoli normally tastes like a Trito. Oh, broccoli <laughs> is just broccoli. Like, <laughs> leave it alone. Leave potatoes, it alone. <laughs> potatoes are the things that you can make into Tritos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Nick, uh, I'd want to offer a, a quick tip, and I'm going to try to shorten it as much as I can because I often mm-hmm. ramble a bit too much in my coach's corner. But ding, no. ding, ding, the bell is on. Okay, go. Um, I want to talk about <clears throat> weekly averages, Nick, weekly mm-hmm. averages. And we speak a lot about weekly averages for your body weight, okay? But that also translates over to almost every aspect of fitness, okay? And just to highlight the power of weekly averages, first example would be the weather, okay? Here in Melbourne at the recording of this um, podcast, there is some crazy wild weather in Melbourne. We've got storms, we've got sunshine, we've got storms, we've got sunshine, we've got hail, sunshine, hail, right? Classic Melbourne weather. Mm. So if I ask you, Nick, hey, Nick, how has the weather been um, in Melbourne in spring, right? Because we're in spring right now. You might go, well, uh, it's been crazy. It's raining, it's it's storming outside, right? But if you are trying to determine the weather of springtime in Melbourne by the weather the past couple of days, that is not a great representation. You go, well, what about over the last week? Well, hey, Nick, we had sunshine the other week. It was hot. You know, I was I had to bring the singlets out. I had to, you know, put some sunscreen on. I'm out and about. I'm enjoying the sunshine. It was, it was amazing weather. So in contrast, it's two very different temperatures. So what could be a better way to try to communicate, hey, what's the weather like in Melbourne in November or in spring, we would measure out as the average weather or the weekly average being like, oh, week to week, the average is this, or week to week, the average is getting warmer because we're getting closer to summertime, right? Compared to the start of spring versus the end of spring, the weekly average temperature per day is this, right? So that's a better way to communicate the change in weather over time. Rather than looking at each day, we're trying to look at maybe the weekly average, okay? That's one example. The next example would be for our budget conscious friends out there, where we're looking at something like petrol prices, Nick. So we all know petrol prices fluctuate a lot. You know, you might walk past, drive past, <laughs> walk past, <laughs> you might drive past one server and you see it at like a, you know, a dollar ninety eight, and you drive down the road and it's at like two dollars and one cents, and you drive further down the road at the independent store and it's you know a dollar eighty nine, and you go, oh, geez, what's the price of petrol? So it could be better to work out the average petrol price, right? Or Every time you fill up, measuring the average, uh, measuring that petrol price that you purchased on, and then measuring the average petrol price over time. Because then, if you were trying to determine, hey, how much is owning a car costing me, uh, you could try to look at the overall use of the pe- of your car, or try to determine how much fuel you use, or try to determine the average price of the fuel. Okay, so mm. there's power in averages because of daily fluctuations in things like the weather, things like petrol prices. And it's exactly the same thing with training. So a great example is things like our step counts. So we know every single day that uh, it's it's very unlikely that you do, let's say, 10,000 steps per day, right? It's not like you're wearing your activity tracker and as soon as it hits 10,000 steps, you sit on the couch and you're like, that's it, 
I'm not moving anymore. And you know, you might get Shane to come and pick you up, move you around the house because you'll have done 10,000. That's on the dot. No more. Okay. That's Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. Mm. Uh, maybe on one day, but not every single day. Okay. So instead of trying to look at, you know, one particular day to try to communicate how many steps you do, it might be better to look at your weekly average step count because that takes in account for maybe on the weekend you go for a hike, maybe on Tuesday you're feeling really tired after legs on Monday and you're sitting in the office all day, you've got back-to-back -back meetings, you haven't been able to go for your lunchtime walk. So on the, on the Tuesday you have, um, I don't know, 5,000 steps, but on Saturday you do 25,000 steps. What's your weekly average? That could be a better number to measure your step count for. Okay. Mm -hmm. Especially if Coach Steve won't come out for a walk because it's raining. Hey, hey, Nick, Nick. That's there's nice. there's a there's a time and place for walking, and in the rain. Uh, is... Coach Steve doesn't have to walk in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, just saying. All right, I've been sprung. <laughs> the next one here to consider is your overall average calorie intake, and this could be a powerful one and quite a liberating one nick a liberating one because instead of trying to aim for one caloric target on a particular day let's say 2000 calories 1200 calories 3000 calories, whatever the number is it's a number who cares it might be better and liberating to think of a weekly average where you go okay i'm having 2000 calories a day over seven days i'm having 14,000 calories this week on a Monday, I'm, you know, having a little bit less. On Tuesday, I'm having a bit more because I want to go out for lunch at work. On Wednesday, I'm going to have less. On Saturday, I'm going to have a bit more. On Sunday, I'm going to have a little bit less. So what you might feel is that if you take your weekly average calorie intake and focusing on that, that might be better information than try to look at one snapshot in time, okay? Mm -hmm. And then finally, thinking about um, weekly average performances in the gym and this can be tricky because we often do one training program just once per week you know we have our workout one workout two workout three workout four we don't do that multiple times throughout the week so it might be better to look at your cum cumulative <laughs> I can't say that word, like a monthly um, training performance where you go okay over the last four weeks my monday training session i'm training legs i'm doing squats um you know there's on week one i was able to get 100 kilos for 10 reps Week two, I was able to get 100 kilos for 11 reps. Week three, I was only able to get 100 kilos for you know eight reps because I lost my balance or I got really fatigued, I had a big night last night, whatever it is. And then on week four, you were able to get the 100 kilos for 10 reps once again. So if you work out your average throughout that entire that entire time, you go well. On average, I was you know getting maybe 100 kilos for you know nine and a bit reps uh, over the last four weeks. And you could use that as a baseline to measure progress rather than thinking, oh, well that one time I got 11 reps out but I've missed it every other time. I must be failing. I must be, you know, doing something wrong. My progress is lacking. It's probably better to look at the average performance over time rather than just one snapshot in time. So my coach's corner tip this week, Nick, is to just be cautious at looking at just one individual data point, one snapshot in time. Look at it from a broader perspective, maybe that macro point of view, zooming out, maybe look at it from a weekly point of view, a monthly point of view. It might be better information and it might tell a better story for your progress. Yes. True, true. It's it's very it's heartening when you look at it that way. It really is. I like it. Yeah, and like the last thing I'll say is that it can give you a little bit of um, uh, 
I'm going to use the word like a feel good because if you do have a bad day or a bad couple of days for whatever reason, if you zoom out and go, well, okay, you know, just kind of like the stock market or something, you know, oh, it's just a little bit of a dip, but then it keeps going. It's, it's a progress. When you zoom out, you see the bigger picture and that could be, um, you know, more inspiring, more motivating than just, just sulking in one bad day because that's ultimately what we're trying to do here. Think of the big picture. What are you going to do for your life of fitness rather than just this one day, one session, one rep, one moment in time, uh, which is better. Definitely. Nick, mm. let's move on to our final segment here. We have our question and answer segment. So let's mm. power through them. First question comes from Sam. Mm. Sam writes, good morning. Good morning, Sam. Just a quick little question. I've lost 3.2 kilos in the first couple of weeks. The last week I started on melt and creaburn and gained a kilo despite eating the same and, and even training more, Nick. Am I doing something wrong or is this normal? I have the melt before my morning workout, then sip on the Korean burn during the day. Thanks. Ooh, Nick, what advice do you have for Sam? Oh, gosh. I bet you that this is a can of worms too because people will be saying, um, people, <laughs> will be, whoever the people are, will be saying that uh, creatine makes you gain. Creatine makes you gain, gain and gain. Um, okay, so firstly... Are we worried that it's a, is this person, is Sam worried that it's going, it's a, it's a kilo of fat because that's unlikely. So just say that a kilo of fat is worst case scenario. Now um, to gain a kilo of fat, you need to be in a surplus of what is it about 7,500 to 9,000 calories. Yeah. Um, I'd say around 9,000 calories. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's a kilo of, of body fat. You have to eat above to, to gain that and then also that's that's assuming that it's all going to go to body fat and zero muscle as well so i'm just just pointing it out to you that i don't think that you could have um you know if you're in that energy deficit it'll be quite unlikely so firstly to put your mind at ease it's unlikely to be that now i know that you're trying to tell me sam that it's the creatine and lots of people will say that and there's I believe there's anecdotal i, I think there's been studies done on that that for some people you can hold fluid and for others you can't but I would actually probably say that um you're probably drinking a bit more water if you're drinking the melt and the crea burn throughout the day and I don't know how much exactly you're having but then also you've upped your training so all the factors that we discussed in this podcast are going to lead to that one thing but also if you had a 3.2 loss it may also have to balance out which is where you really want to take that weekly average which coach steve was just talking about so it's as though everything that we're spoken about in the podcast has led to this one question it's about weekly averages if if you said to me my my data is the weekly average has done this and this and this but i'm just not sure if you're measuring that at this point your training has increased there are just so many variables i i would really be unlikely to blame the creatine and come at me people and tell me why we should blame the creatine but even if it even if the creatine has caused you to retain water within your muscle muscle bellies or muscles that's actually a good thing that's good how, how is that bad you tell me coach steve how's it bad how is how is even having hydrated muscles because the stuff that creatine does how is that bad it's not it's are not we saying that, but we're not saying that it's bad see weight gain isn't always that let me, let me i'm tired from my rabbit so let me go on a rant weight gain isn't always going to be bad 
you know, it's a good thing sometimes. Yeah. No, I agree. I Just agree. saying, but yeah. So that's that's my information on that. I don't think I don't think it's the Crayburn's fault, but I reckon you're probably drinking a couple of extra liters of water um, every single day as well. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, look, throwing some some uh, numbers out there. Uh, so creatine. Firstly, if we were going through a loading phase, which is uh, about ten grams uh, per day for a week, um, we could reach saturation in that week period. Um, and then follow maintenance, maintenance of five grams per day uh, consistently um, to maintain saturation. Okay, so if you are taking Crea Burn, Crea Burn has about 3.2 um, grams of creatine per serve. So even if you had one serve of creatine per day, it would take you one month, one month to reach full saturation. Okay, so uh, if you're saying that you started taking creatine and within a week you gained a kilo, or you're probably not even in the um, you know, the, the ballpark of reaching full saturation. Okay, that's the first point. Second point is creatine does lead to more water retention, like you said, Nick, inside the muscle because it draws um, a higher glycogen storage in the muscle belly. Um, so we get more, more fluid in the muscle, which is awesome. Our muscles look bigger. Great. Awesome. Doesn't it get- make you look better? It does. Um, it can lead to a little bit of hypertrophy as well because the muscle is uh, a little bit swollen, you know, some really micro level hypertrophy. Great, cool. Muscle building, awesome. Free muscle building. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. More nutrients in the muscle, great. Ticking all the, the boxes. However, um, you know, for most of us, uh, you know, our actual muscle mass, we don't have a lot of muscle mass, especially if we've just started and especially if we're just starting kind of like the supplement world, we're kind of maybe in this kind of like beginner intermediate phase. So if you were thinking about gaining uh, lots of glycogen storage in your muscle, uh, we could be talking maybe a couple of hundred grams, okay? Uh, It might not even be that much. So even if you were truly going through a glycogen, deposit or like a, a, a reuptake of glycogen storage in your in your muscle belly it, it unlikely relates to an entire kilo i mean you probably store more glycogen inside your liver which is about 500 grams inside your liver um and that could be through just dieting changes so again nick just to agree with you it's very unlikely that it's the creatine or the melt um it's highly likely that it's an increase in drinking right drinking more water and training so you've got some swellings and inflammation in your body yeah yeah i i agree I agree. Um, I love I, I I love talking about creatine though. I I mean I know we, we've got to move on, but can I just say let's do a whole podcast one day just on creatine and talking about all this because I love it. That's yeah, all. We'll do it. I just love it. <laughs> Next question here comes from Fletcher. Fletcher writes. I'm pretty keen to finish up this challenge strong with great results and get into the next phase, which I'm very, very excited for. I've actually been dieting all this year and was just in the final act of the of the year to end off really strong with me currently losing 28 kilos since the start of the year. I'm wanting to do a prop, a clean, proper bulk for the next 12 week challenge in January to gain some nice size and feel stronger. I'm just wondering if you have any tips for me to do before the next challenge starts. Nick, lots to Hmm. unpack here from Fletcher. The first thing I'd say is that firstly, big congratulations on 28 kilos down at the start of the year. Okay, that's huge, it's amazing, crazy. Um, The following question would be that 28 kilos might not be um, a great number to look at. We're more interested in the percentage of body weight, okay? So if you're saying that, hey, Coach Steve, I was 90 kilos and I lost 28 kilos, well, geez, that's a third of your body weight, that's huge. Or you can go, hey, Coach Steve, I was 200 kilos and I lost 28 kilos. And we go, okay, it's about 10% of your body weight. All right, good job. That's awesome. You know, 
Uh, so those are two very different numbers to consider. So firstly, we want to kind of consider our percentage weight loss, right? Um, next, you know, for appropriate nutritional periodization where we are limiting as much muscle mass as we muscle mass loss as we can and maintaining motivation um, for dieting. We don't want to be losing more than let's say 10% of our body weight at any one given dieting approach. So what we do recommend is, you know, we're dieting for maybe six to 12 weeks where we're losing about 10% of our body weight at the maximum end. Uh, and then we kind of transition into a maintenance phase and think of it as like a, a break, stepping away from dieting, maybe, you know, not measuring everything meticulously where we're just giving ourselves a bit of a break. We call it maintenance. We're just chilling out. We're not in the deep dieting phase. Okay. Now for most of us, if we're cruising through maintenance, we probably have made some environmental changes. We're eating a little bit of quote healthier. We're not eating lots of junk food, those types of things. So we might see some weight loss and we're not truly in a maintenance. We might be at a slight caloric deficit, but it's more that mental approach where we're, hey, I'm in dieting phase versus I'm now in just kind of chill out phase. So what we do recommend is we kind of go through this intense dieting phase, maybe 10% of our body weight, maybe six to 12 weeks of dieting. Then we chill out six weeks, have a break, chill out, you know, step away from all of this so then we could re-enter strong. If we consistently just drive through it over a long period of time, because we're highly motivated, yes, we can see some amazing results. However, we are just at a one higher risk of um, failure of dieting, two, at a higher risk of things like injury uh, through excessive stress placed on the body. Um, and then three, we're at a higher risk of losing muscle, which for, for some of us, it can be ne negligible because we may not have a lot of muscle. However, for others who've been working really hard to build muscle, we may face problems in the longer period of time. Okay, so that's the first thing I'd like to say. Fletcher, the next thing I'd say is um, be cautious of some of the language that we use, you know, trying to go through a, a, a bulk and things like that. Okay, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to achieve like a weight gain period um, over the next 12 weeks, which can be appropriate, you know, six to, to 18 weeks is appropriate for like a weight gaining phase. Where we're trying to gain between 0.5 to 1% of our body weight per month. So over the 12 weeks, you know, you might be looking at um, something like, one and a half to to three percent of your body weight increase so not a significant increase but we're trying to give ourselves a little bit more energy so that we can train hard build muscle so what could we do once this challenge ends and the start of the next challenge well we are looking at about six weeks or so uh between challenges so that could be a really great time just to chill out right so just to step away from pure dieting where we're measuring our food tracking our calories doing all the intense mental focus it takes to truly diet and lose weight where maybe we are trying to keep our body weight stagnant focus on some training um, and then re-engage with our dieting process when the next challenge starts i will recommend you check out the video on nutritional periodization that i created found in the learn section of the m challenge app um, it's part six of a six-part series of understanding nutrition yeah perfect it's a really good time to really figure out where your maintenance is that time so spend it wisely fletcher and come back strong. Come back strong. Mm. Nick, next question here comes from Tara. Tara writes, just wondering if it's okay to have a protein shake for breakfast and dinner. Ooh, Nick, what do you recommend? Hi, Tara. So your component, your protein component of breakfast and dinner can absolutely be a protein shake. Now, I personally uh, would mix it with other things because you've got to make it into more of a meal so you want to have um, 
something to pad it out a little bit. So with, with this particular one, if you want to have it for breakfast and dinner, it's only just food. It's just food. It's the same as having a piece of chicken. So um, I would probably say combine it with some sort of a carbohydrate and a little bit of a fat as well, um, just to keep you fuller. And that makes it a well-rounded meal. So if you wanted to do that, that's what I would recommend. I certainly wouldn't say that it's a meal replacement on its own because it's really protein with minimal minimal fats and carbs. So I would probably go the classic oats, a little bit of maybe frozen fruit because I like a bit of a frozen strawberry and um, perhaps some nuts, you know, obviously measure them out or even a, a lovely spoonful of peanut or almond butter um, would make for a beautiful smoothie if you would like to have one for breakfast and dinner i'd probably also just add some greens for some micronutrients which we don't talk about very often but why not chuck some spinach in there and um you're laughing but the only thing i must say though is sometimes just having a drink can sometimes make you consume calories um and then you you don't get super super full so for dinner I couldn't stand that um, for breakfast no worries for me but for dinner and I'm not time poor at dinner I can sit down and eat dinner but for me I'd be like I'm going to have that and then it's like well where's my dinner <laughs> but that's just simply that's me and that's I think liquids and stuff so that's just my own personal stuff but of course you can yeah no perfect answer like I would say yeah you can have a protein shake I would prefer that you turn it into like a smoothie, like you said, Nick, mm. having a little bit more than just um, straight protein powder for uh, a breakfast and a dinner, because uh, that's a bit of a slippery slope to just pure meal replacement shakes. Um, and we, we we know how problematic that can become. Yeah. Nick, final question here comes from Rachel. And Rachel I, uh, asks, I'm feeling a little disheartened with the phase two check-in. My pick looks like I have gone backwards, not forwards, and the scales haven't changed, even though I have stuck to the plan, haven't missed a workout, and have only had small slip-ups in the diet plan. What am I doing wrong? Any tips to improve over the last two weeks of the program? Okay. So, uh, Nick, I know that you had a little bit of a conversation with Rachel on the forum. So if you listen to this podcast, you can go check out what advice Nick gave to Rachel. I asked uh, questions. You asked questions. It was perfect. Uh, my mm -hmm. 10 cents is what I'd say to Rachel unpacking the questions. One, she says, my picks look like I have gone backwards, not forwards. Problem here, maybe she's comparing um, her phase one check-in to her phase two check-in. That is only two weeks. Similar to what we spoke about earlier in the podcast, if you're trying to look at maybe pictures of yourself, images of yourself just in the mirror, um, it might not tell the whole story and, you know, something as simple as your posture, um, as the lighting, um, you know, maybe the, the time of the day, if you've gone to the toilet, uh, how hydrated you are can alter those pictures. Heck, even just what you're wearing, like if you take one photo with a t-shirt on, the next one you're wearing a crop top, that could tell two very different stories about um, your progress. So that's the first thing I'll talk about is one um, pictures. Second, she mentioned scales haven't changed. Um, I'll challenge that a little bit because I know scales change rapidly throughout the day. So by saying bluntly, the scales haven't changed, um, I'd be really curious about your body, how um, your body weight in two points of times has been able to stay 100% the same. For example, were you 72.3 kilos on this day and then two weeks later you were 72.3 kilos unlikely um i mean it could randomly but very unlikely if you were to nail all the 
um, variables to that scale your body weight, such as going to the toilet, how hydrated you are, when you eat a meal, all those things, unlikely. I would recommend, again, Rachel, you measure your body weight um, frequently, measure out the average. That might be uh, a mask to your progress. Final thing she says here is that, um, you know, she's stuck to the plan, haven't missed a workout, uh, and only had small slip-ups in the diet plan. Uh, similar to what we spoke about at the start of the challenge, small slip-up can be a small slip-up, sure, but it can also be um, an unforeseen big slip-up. You know, if you're, oh, I've only had a slice of cheesecake and it was only 500 calories and I only had a second slice because I was still a little bit peckish afterwards because it was really tasty. Oh, geez, you ate a thousand calories of cheesecake on a Saturday night and that could have overthrown your entire dieting process, okay? Just some things to consider. Now, last thing I just want to say to Rachel and to others who might say something like, oh, I haven't missed a workout, um, which is nice, awesome, kicking goals, uh, but I would argue that uh, no two workouts are the same across, you know, two individuals. So, you know, by someone like Rachel saying, oh, I haven't missed a workout. I mean, there's a difference between turning up and just going through the motions of, of training versus I'm going in and I'm training hard. Um, and, you know, Coach Nick trains hard. I would say I train as hard as I, I can, where my program might look really basic, simple. You know, I might do three exercises. I do a, a squat, a lunge, and, you know, another exercise. But those exercises are of moderate intensity, moderate load, where it's challenging. And if you are just turning up to your workout, kind of going through the motions, oh, I didn't miss a workout, but you are choosing to grab like the two kilo dumbbells and you know maybe doing um, 10 repetitions when you could have done 30, those types of things, that can be a, a limitation to, to progress. Um, mm -hmm. So Rachel, you might benefit from doing a simple audit um and you know might might be you're doing everything absolutely perfectly right but you just might not be measuring it appropriately um so we're excited to see what you do in the next two weeks exactly exactly go rachel i'll go ask rachel. you some more questions if you want just message me again because <laughs> i love asking <laughs> no so good nick let's wrap it up there for episode number 92 of the challenge weekly show 92 Whew. We're going to get to 100 next year. It's going to be so good. So exciting. Yeah, we'll have to have a celebration. We will. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. And we'll catch you next week for episode number 93. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.